Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. I'm Kevin Acey, Potter's Beat Writer. Gentlemen over here, I don't know if it's to your right or your left, <laughs> Jay Posner, uh, my boss, the sports editor. Jay, why am I always starting? You're the boss. I'm the guy who brings us in. I don't, I don't understand. It, but it's it's your it's your podcast, Kevin. It's your world. We're all just lucky to be living in it. That's I just needed some confirmation that's today on a Monday of say. game week. Jay, it's we're game here. week, Kevin. I I feel yeah. like we should. You know, in the old days, you and I both both covered this man, and we're lucky enough to know Marty Schottenheimer. It was Raider Week was always such a big thing. Now, just any game week feels like a big uh, feels like a big deal. So, uh, I've watched some baseball since we last spoke. So I'll uh, watch some of those intra squad games from Petco last night. I even turned on uh, some Dodgers Diamondbacks from uh, from Los Angeles just to see. Uh, just to see a little baseball and uh, Bellinger hit a grand slam and the Dodgers were way in front. And it looked like, uh, looked like every other season for like the past six or seven years. Uh, so anyway, excited to get going, but we should, we should probably start by, by getting back into something that happened uh, last week, right after we finished. Right. Yeah. Thursday, the Padres traded Franchi Cordero and Ronald Bolaños for Tim Hill, left-handed reliever from the Kansas city Royals. And it spoke to their, their need. It's not, it's not a crisis yet, but I, I got to say, we've been talking about the Padres' bullpen depth for a while. And, and I believe they still have it. They have 15 pitchers uh, on their staff who could, you know, relieve for them, who pitch at least a, you know, five or six innings, most of them many more innings than that in the majors. Uh, many of them, Emilio Pagan, Drew Pomerantz, Craig Stammen, Kirby Yates, those guys, uh, you know, have been superb, uh, but this depth has taken a hit. Jose Castillo out for at least half the season, and my understanding is they'll consider it lucky to get the lefty back. And he was going to be a late-inning guy who is pretty nasty. Um, and then out for the season, Trey Wingenter. And you might look at his numbers and say, ah, well, here's a guy who threw 97-98, and when he was on, he was extremely uh valuable to and it was certainly a very valuable depth piece and so you've lost those two guys so you had to go out and get tim hill um you had to replace lefty for lefty if you could and you know i just think that it's something that we definitely need to keep an eye on this you know they lost andres munoz for the year with tommy john surgery back in april this is no longer like this you know embarrassing uh, embarrassment of riches uh, in mm-hmm. the no i think that's that's true I, I i guess one question that people would have is if you're going to give up a couple pieces like Cordero and Bolaños, and and we don't know really how good either one of those guys is, uh, is Tim Hill the best you can get? And he's got he's got great numbers against lefties. Um, really interesting uh, background, but in, in term also pitched a year at Palomar College, for instance, uh, has beaten cancer. So from that standpoint, you know he's obviously a uh, obviously a guy who's who's tough and has gotten lefties out his righty numbers aren't terrible and i'm not sure i mean i'll 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 take both sides of this because i really don't have a strong opinion about the deal they obviously needed to get him uh, or to get somebody franchi cordero three seasons he played part of three seasons in the big leagues he played in 79 games and had 106 strikeouts so i think there was a lot of potential there and we always heard a lot about the potential, but I, I don't know how, you know, how long can you wait on potential, I guess, is part of it. And I guess it does speak somewhat to their outfield depth as well, right? Well, I think that there are three things, and you touched two of them. The outfield depth, for sure, Edward Olivares and him shining in uh, 
both the, their time off, what Jay Stingler calls pre-summer camp, and then summer camp, uh, that helped big time. And then, of course, you have the other four guys. And, heck, you have Taylor Trammell as well, and perhaps Jorge Mateo. Uh, they plan to work him in the outfield whenever it is that he recovers from COVID. Um, and then you have the potential factor, which is, you know, we all talked, and it was impressive the way Franchi had improved. All right, a lot of those breakouts uh, you can explain early in the career or things that he was trying to work on. But seventy-nine games, Jay, that's, that that says it all. And then the third thing, and I think this is fairly interesting. I believe in it strongly. This is the kind of trade that a team that thinks it's a contender makes. Maybe they did overpay. All right, I think that there's some thought within the organization that if you look at it strictly. You know, player, player, they gave up Franchi Cordero, extremely talented, and they gave up a young pitcher, Ronald Bolaños, and they got a, I don't know, a, a middling, a, a specialist, a, you know, mm-hmm. got a guy who can help them now. Um, and I think that that's, you know, a, a tr- the type of trade that a team that thinks it's going to be in it and is going to need that piece makes. And, and I think, you know, part of it, and I, I saw this somewhere, and I, I would credit the person, whether it was you or wherever I read this, but talked about, you know, you look at guys on the Dodgers like Muncie and Bellinger, uh, you know, coming up in the, let's say in the fifth or sixth inning, and maybe you don't want to go to Drew Pomerantz then, or maybe you do go to Pomerantz then, but then you need somebody when they come around again. And, you know, this is the kind of guy that you need to get those type of players out. And they obviously feel like they, they can contend uh, at, at this point, whether they can or not, We'll find out, and we're going to find out soon because, you know, as we've mentioned before, the Diamondbacks and Dodgers heavy at the start of the schedule. So there's clearly a a plan that they have in in place. Now, you know, whether it works, we'll all find out. But uh, they obviously think that that Tim Hill is a piece that that they needed. And, and, you know, one of the reasons you build a deep farm system is so you can trade guys uh, to, to get pieces immediately. And the Padres believe they have plenty of young pitchers and plenty of young outfielders. And like always, we'll see how it turns out. Yeah, I mean, uh, without a doubt that that, that's a great point. Uh, You're trying to take down the Dodgers. Last year, when Matt Strong maybe wasn't available, you had to go to Craig Stammen, who had pretty good numbers against lefties. But, you know, he also ended up working 72 games. Right. Oh, and I always I have this blank spot about Matt Strom. I keep I I keep thinking, oh, they they've only got Pomerantz in the pen, and I don't know why because I really like Strom, and we gosh, we've talked about him enough on here. But it doesn't uh, negate your point, though. I mean, uh, yeah, you needed a guy like you said. Maybe Strom has been worked. Maybe he's been down, and and you know, the fact is, you want to have depth in that bullpen any right. year, especially this year. Yeah, no, there's no question. And I, I think one thing we'll see and we'll talk about all the time over the next couple of months, hopefully, is, you know, usage of pitchers and how soon, how long are starters going to go into games? How soon are we going to, you know, see a bullpen guy come out? And and as we've seen, you can never have enough pitching. I mean, I know, you know, the late Kevin Towers always talked about whenever he made a deal, he made sure or tried to make sure he got an arm thrown in because you just never know. And the guys, unfortunately, get hurt quite a bit and you need to have somebody else step up to uh to your question how long will starters go the first two starters that the Padres will throw out there Chris Paddock and Denelson Lamette based on their summer they should be up to speed where we're talking six or seven innings in mm-hmm. outing 
That is what two guys at the top of your rotation, if you're a contender, you would hope that they give you. Whether that happens or not, hey. Um, but beyond that, now, Garrett Richards, who goes again tonight, we're taping this on, on Monday morning, uh, goes tonight against the Angels, would be their third starter. Uh, he could also be that guy, but I'm telling you that the summer that Paddock and Lamette have had, these are two legitimate guys that when they go out there, you're thinking, all right, cool, they are going to get us at least to the seventh. And then we're going to have our back end guys and try to shut down a win. Right, right. And yet, you know, both guys, I mean, Paddock, I think, got grinded a little bit by the Dodgers last year. And and Lamette can throw a lot of pitches against anybody, uh, both strikeouts, walks. You know, he's he's a guy that the pitch count can rise. And so, again, we're, we're going to see we might see some maybe they only get to the fifth or the sixth because, uh, yep. It's a short season, and and if they're struggling a little bit, and you have the deep bullpen and a lot of good guys in it, including Matt Strom, uh, then maybe uh, maybe you're going there a little sooner. That's going to be the case with every pitcher. What you're saying, right. but Padres are going to be good. I mean, unless you're going to put 20 pitchers on the roster, if <laughs> they're going to be good. They want to be able to count on a couple of these guys every turn through the rotation doing what you would expect them to do, which is six, seven plus innings. Otherwise, I mean, I don't care how many pitchers you have, you, you can't manage 60 games like the playoffs. They're like 19, right, right. Uh, you know, 19 games in, in the postseason. You, uh, you can't manage it like that as much as what we'll be talking about that all year is, Oh, it looks more like the postseason and they have a, a quick hook. Mm-hmm from day one be saying oh Chris Paddock's kind of uh, faltering here in the fourth no you you maybe you do that on opening day because you know you want to get that win um but uh you you eventually have to let your studs be studs right right um speaking of studs one guy the Padres hope is a stud is Trent Grisham um gave up Lauer gave up Arias for him what have you seen from Grisham and and what can we expect to see from Grisham? Is this guy going to be an everyday center fielder this season? Is he up to the task? This is a great point, Jay. I mean, he better be is kind of what I'm I'll tell you. I was sitting there on, on Saturday watching the inner squad and it was, um, or maybe it was Friday because uh, Jace has never, Jace Tingler has never used the same lineup uh, twice, uh, but, mm-hmm. but what done is, is lately it's gone, you know, Tatis, Fam, Machado, Hosmer, Grisham, or the one I'm talking about on Friday, it went Tatis, Grisham, Fam, Machado, Hosmer, Myers, Profar. And I thought, you put those guys down at the bottom of a lineup, that's a pretty good lineup. You put Hosmer fifth, that's a pretty good lineup. Against righties. Grisham, to me, is the key to that working. Well, yeah, because whether junior too, he's only had 84 games. But let's yeah. just say Fernando Tatis Jr. is somewhere near the same guy. And you figure Tommy Pham is going to be what he's shown over the last three years, and that Manny Machado is going to be uh, what he's shown, except for you know the last two months of last season. Hosmer batting second is not necessarily what you want, unless Hosmer's having one of his you know hot starts. Right. Uh, I think Grisham, and what he's shown me is he does have that ability, great back control, uh, you know, smart, uh, the ability to get on base and also has some pop. But what has he played? Is it 70 games, Jay, uh, something like that? I mean, he yeah. came up in August of last year. I, I see Trent Grisham as kind of like a under-the-radar, super important player for the Padres because it shapes what you're going to do with your lineup. Well, I think especially if, if you're going to put him second – 
and you're going to push Fam and Machado down, which is basically taking, you know, taking a few at bats away. Which, by the way, I was kind of surprised that I don't like it because I think Fam's going to get hit every time he's up. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I, I I think without having given this a lot of thought, normally I would rather see Fam and Machado hitting second and third because you want to see those guys get uh-huh. get more at bats. But even if that's the case, and you're going to let's say they're facing a right-hander, and you're going to have Hosmer Grisham going four or five in that spot, those okay. those are pretty those are big guys. We've talked about how yeah. important. Osmer is that he produces more, but if you're going to have Grisham, Grisham hitting fifth, he, he better be up, you know, he better be able to, to produce. And, and if he can do that and you can have um, guys like Myers and Profar and whoever else, you know, Naylor or Mejia or whoever is down in that, in that area, uh, batting six, seven, that, that can be pretty good. They, but Grisham's got to be good to be able to, to make that work. Otherwise you're going to have to probably put Myers as that guy in the fifth spot. And, you know, again, if you get Will Myers, if you get the good Will Myers, he's a great five hitter. If you get the, you know, oh my God, how much did they pay Will Myers? Will Myers, then, you know, you could be in some trouble. Uh, one thing then, uh, I sent you uh, the little, we did the little capsules on the and, and and Will Myers, I looked it up. You know, there's a two month stretch every season where Will Myers has all-star borderline MVP numbers for two months. The problem <laughs> season is six months long. Right. And those six months, he's more along the lines of, you know, Austin Hedges and he doesn't play. Catcher, so there's really not a lot of value to that. It's just, mm-hmm. a dream. he makes five, six, seven times as much as Austin Hedges. So uh, yeah, it depends. I mean, Will Myers could be a fantastic number five hitter. Heck, Will Myers would be a really good number two hitter, but that's not who you're going to pencil into a contender right now. Right. Um, not that, not the Will Myers that we're used to, that we're used to seeing, but, uh, so again, Grisham's another guy that really, um, really going to have to keep an eye on what else have you, what else are you going to watch here in the, in the, in the next couple of days before the season gets going in terms of, uh, rosters, positions, that sort of thing. What, what's on your mind? Well, I don't want to get too bogged down in the DH because I think that could be like, well, there's 60 games. I think we could see like 54 uh, different <laughs> of, of the designated hitter. All right. right. I mean, player in the pool is going to DH. Uh, no, but I, I that's Josh Naylor. But what I'm really looking at, and I can't wait for the season to start to see this, the relievers facing the Angels over the next couple nights and mm-hmm. look like how sharp are they? How effective are they? Because these poor relievers are now facing batters for like the 20th, 30th time in the last guy. It's like, you know what? I'm giving the batters a little bit of the edge at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, again, this, we place so much importance on this bullpen. I think every team w- will uh, find out that it's bullpen super important this year, but we've, we've placed the idea that the Padres are contenders largely on the bullpen and that's really going to be my, my focus uh, here the next, I don't know, early on in the season. I think the early in the season, gosh, Jay, I saw something on fan graphs where they were talking about, and we all know that it's what 2.7 games per game, but they right. were the equivalency of what, if you were to start eight and four, you know, or, or nine and three, basically nine and three, it's like right on. Man. Yeah. Uh, and, and so the, the first couple of weeks of the season, as we know, the Padres play every single day and it's against the NL West. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm very excited for it. Yeah, no, I am too. And, and we'll talk about that more on, on Friday as we get 
into the, the season itself. The other thing is with the exhibitions tonight that are and uh, and Wednesday night, both of which are on uh, Fox Sports San Diego. Watched as I mentioned, I watched some of the intersquad on Wednesday and Thursday from Petco, and you wrote about this last week in terms of crowd noise. And I've seen this elsewhere in some of the games that I've watched. There seems to be quite a variance. Teams are always teams are working on it. It's definitely going to going to yeah. take some some skill for them to get this right. I, I thought Thursday night, I think that was the second game of the inter-squad. It, it, it was really annoying. I, I thought it was really loud. And I think I mentioned it to you and you said it sounded that way in the oh. ballpark uh, as well. So I'm, I'm, that's, that's actually one of the things I'm going to watch to watch for tonight is just sort of how the sound is, because I think, I think there's a tendency, there's going to be a tendency for these people to overproduce the games they've lost the fans right because it's like oh my gosh we don't have the fans well a lot of times there's not a lot of noise and you got to be careful it, it it was almost jarring at times like you know sort of what what was what was all that noise it's just a it's just a pop-up or it's just a single or something uh like that so i i, I do hope that what we saw thursday uh and what we heard thursday is not what we're going to hear uh, all year long, and I'm I'm sure it's going to be a process, but I'm really eager to see sort of how that how that comes across tonight. I'm wondering if because on Wednesday, which I thought was much better, and that was when that noise was, from my understanding, not coming over the stream. That was just the regular like white noise, crowd noise, basically. That's Correct the, for the most part. I think that's will be the show where you know, uh, ooh for a fly ball, and then cheers, for a great play, and all that. Mm-hmm. And first, I want to say that I've gotten really nothing but, I mean, at worst, it's been like, um, yeah, it's fine. And and I'm telling you, really positive feedback from the players. And and they base that on, they'd rather have that, some some noise, mm-hmm. than no noise at all. Because especially on defense, it's very hard to concentrate. And they actually like, like, you know, Josh Naylor hit a hit a triple and the crowd went wild. And, and, and a couple guys talked about how that was kind of cool, right? Because players don't see the stands anyway, unless they're actually looking up there. They are... They kind of, it's blurry to them. It's what they feel the noise and everything. So on Thursday, I'm wondering the speakers up there at the press level were on. Jay, I'm not an old man. Well, I am, but I, I don't, I'm not Nick Canepa. It was so loud. They were on. They hadn't been on the night before. It was unreal. And you didn't realize, well, I did. I was getting a headache. Then they turned off at the end of the game, and it was like, when you've been at a wedding for three hours and you've got next to the DJ, uh-huh. right? Because you're like a third cousin and, and, and suddenly it goes off, it's over. And you're like, and it's just silence. Like you haven't ever heard. That's what it was like. Dawn and mud were broadcasting right there with their yep. open right there. So not only were they probably getting like the RSN feed, it was right outside their window. Um, and you know why they're doing this too? It's not for you and me. Well, yes, for you watching um, on TV. Um, it's and it's not for the uh, anybody out in the stands because there will be uh, various parts of the ballpark of club employees. It's for the players and the TV viewer. So they are going to have to fix that. Obviously, they ignore right. That was a little, and every, I'm not even sure exactly what they're going to do, Jay. Every day they're tinkering with something new. And I got to say, they do have a hard job because they have fans usually. That's a huge part. And then they're, the way they produce a game is reacting to those fans. And now it's just them producing the game. Right. Yeah, trying to produce the fans is going to be difficult. And it's, and it's difficult 
to get it right in terms of the reaction because the ball gets hit and it's like when the ball's hit the person doing the the pressing a button for you know pop up or home run or whatever isn't going to know right away Jay, what I, it is and so now there's this delay and it's kind of it i i think it's going to be difficult it's going to take some work and and look i'm not saying they can't do it but i i do think you know i i would rather and i would rather them err on the side of a little less noise than like blasting people uh with noise at least on the tv and i understand the the players part of it is different but there's a i think there's a right mix and and you know look hopefully not only the padres but other teams find it as well because it 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 will i think it will make a difference in terms of the of the viewing experience for all the fans who are are going to be home now yeah it i it's a great idea in theory it really is for all the reasons discussed players liking it you do want some ambiance and i was down there on last tuesday and i was watching as they were just got their thing from MLB the show this iPad and they were going and they were showing videos up on the on the board and trying to time it and it was all going great and I'm like well this is really working well and then a play happened where it was a routine grounder to second he threw the second baseman threw to the shortstop covering the ball got past the shortstop it went in the left field one run came around to score the left fielder bobbled it another run came around to score do you know that that would require the guy to push like six different buttons as it was happening (laughs) realized you know what this is going to be a little rougher than anybody probably ever thought. Probably, uh, probably true. But uh, well, it, it's something to watch. You know, look tonight. It's something to watch. And again, they're on again on Wednesday, and uh, we will come back on Friday and talk about the season as Woo-hoo! it begins on Friday night with four a, a, a weird four game. Uh, what is it? Carryover, wraparound, whatever you want to call it. Wraparounds. Wraparound um, series that uh, doesn't end until Monday. The but, Padres uh, had two this year scheduled anyway in New York and in Cincinnati. And I was like really excited about it. Like, oh, they're so rare. And they're actually happening quite a bit this season because it's just like, when can we get games in? So, And then you're off to San Francisco. Is that the first? San Francisco, trip? provided I pass my COVID test, Jay. Oh, boy. All right, Kevin. Stay, we'll stay safe out there. requiring that. So. All right. Stay Don't safe and we'll me. talk. Thanks everyone for uh, for joining us and we'll uh, we'll see you and talk to you on Friday. Uh, take care.